Hello, hello, hello. You are now listening to The Raw Collection. I'm your host, Angela Pennyfeather. We are ending our Women's History Month series. I know it's a little sad, but we are ending it off with a bang. She is a veteran in the fashion community, and she's also CFDA's first Black president. I feel like I want to say that again. She (laughs) is also CFDA's first Black president, and she's like my personal shero. She is Cassandra Diggs. Hi, Cassandra, and welcome to the pod. It's good to see you. It is so I am good. I am good. I was so ready for this. I don't know. We're going to talk about Cassandra. You guys are going to learn a lot about her, but I have been trying to get her on this podcast for months now. And it's not because she didn't want to. It's because she just lives a very busy life. And for the past couple of months, her fashion calendar has been swamped, right? Like, yes, I, pro- I promise I wanted to be here. I promise. Yeah. So we're going to dive in because we're going to talk about impacts. We're going to talk about CFDA, but I really want listeners to learn about you. Like, you know, you've been with CFDA, can I say for over 20 years? Since 2001, officially, that's when I started my journey with this, with this organization. So this is like your 22nd year. Let's go back to 2001. Okay. Yeah. What drew you into a career in fashion? I, the opportunities that kept coming my way were somehow positioned in or adjacent to fashion. So I actually began in the 90s working as a retail associate for a big department store. And so that's where I got my first sort of entree into fashion and really learning that fashion was an actual business. Mm. And I had never heard of a buyer and, you know, working at this department store and seeing buyers come to the floor to like look at things and assess things. And I just saw all of these different parts to this ecosystem. And I I just didn't know that existed before. And so that was my first like aha moment, like, oh, fashion's a real business. Yep. And can we say around that time, it was pretty much male-dominated, like the industry? It very much it, it very much was male-dominated. The department store I worked for, which I shall not name, they, the, buyer, the buyers that would come to the floor, they were all men. They were like, oh, mm. which was strange. So I didn't know that there were women buyers right. who existed at other department stores, but certainly not the one that I worked for. And... So- yeah. And no, so I, I, I just think that, again, it was such an aha moment, like, oh, there's, there's, this is a business. There are different roles in this business that I never knew about. Let me learn a little more about this business. because It may be something that I'm interested in. Did you have any women or female mentors around that time, or maybe even throughout your career trage- trajectory, like, who were your female mentors or did you have any in the industry? I wish I could say I did. I did not. I didn't female mentors at that time. I'm still pressed to think about female mentors. I've had female mentors, but not necessarily in this business. They've been okay. maybe adjacent to this business. So, you know, I've worked with people in, you know, the real estate business, the commercial real estate, and they work with fashion corporations and they... Right 
know, find fashion spaces. And so women in those businesses have been mentors. I've worked with lawyers who work in fashion, been mentors. So not necessarily who we would consider fashion people like designers and, and those sort of things, but mm-hmm. certainly people who work on the business side of our industry and in adjacent industries, they have certainly influenced me. But I think if I could say I had a mentor of any sort or some sort of influence or someone who I find quite interesting and follow her career and her story is Diane von Furstenberg. She was our chairwoman. Yeah, she was our chairwoman for over a decade. And it was just interesting to watch her sort of work and, and just the way her mind operated and she certainly was a visionary. Like she embraced new things and like, I don't think she cared if she failed at them or not. She just was kind of like, oh wait, technology is going here. Let's see what that's about. Like, you know, companies are really leaning into media and social. Let's, let's go there. Let's see what that's about. So she just wasn't afraid, afraid to embrace all of these things. And, And I found that quite inspiring. Mm-hmm. And now that I see all of these other women in fashion who are quite incredible, I think, you know, launching these organizations like Lindsay Peoples Wagner, I think, you know, starting these movements and these initiatives, like yeah. I find those women inspiring. Do you feel like it's an issue or a problem in the fashion community that women aren't mentoring each other? I think, the, I mean, listen, for a Black woman in any industry, as you know, and particularly in fashion, it's hard to mentor when you feel like you are also needing mentoring, right? Because yeah. you are also fighting a fight at the same time that you are trying to extend your expertise and knowledge yeah. and network to other people. And so it, it, it can be quite stressful and maybe you feel like you're not doing enough, but I think, you know, there are spaces that make us feel like there should only be one of us in the room, or if there are a handful of us in the room, there are only some of us who get sort of like propped up into the spotlight and it, it makes others who are working just as hard and just as diligently and just as dynamically feel like they're not being seen or heard. And it can create a feeling, I guess, of jealousy or disappointment or frustration that sometimes may make people redirect those energies in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But, but I also think that we root for people so much as Black and we really want people to win and we really are protective of one another in in these spaces for the most part like we you know we really feel like we're our only you know sort of advocate in these spaces a lot of times and if you see another black woman being talked about in a way that's not appropriate or not being treated or not being given an opportunity that they should get. Like, you know, it's our obligation to speak up and say something. I feel like you're taking us to church this morning. Like, <laughs> I don't agree. Because I mean, yeah. that's all ego too. And, you know, that comes with that whole jealousy and disappointment. And 
I think you hit the key word is about how we do protect each other at the end of the day. We really, really have to. So it's like, you know, even if we're not feeling 100% about each other sometimes, it's like, you know what? At the end of the day, we're all in the same place trying to achieve the same success, trying to, you know, create change. And and I just think it's hard enough to have that level of pressure. And I don't mm-hmm. think we should put it on, on one another. I think that's for sure. What, you know, create okay. space where we're safe. Let's talk about the pressure now. <laughs> the pressure. So you climbed the ranks right throughout your career within CFDA and yeah. you were announced president in the year 2021. Correct. It was 20? late 2020, like summer, late 2020. Late summer 2020. Late 2020, and when they announced it, you know the media went out with the the shock of it all, right? The shock of it all, right? But the excitement too at the same time. Did you feel pressure within the African American community? Oh my God, immense, immense pressure. Yeah, there was some very interesting conversations that happened leading up to it with people in the business. There are interesting conversations that still happen today around me being president. I've gotten a lot of support from different generations of African-American professionals or should I say Black professionals in the business. And then, you know, there's some people who don't support and, and don't feel that I'm legitimate or, you know, that I should have gotten that opportunity. And that's okay too. Like, I don't think we should feel like a way about it. Like, I I feel like everyone's entitled to their own thoughts about me being president. I think, you know, my goal and and what my focus is, is just to really, you know, live up to the responsibilities that were placed on me in terms of creating opportunity and change and, you know, even if I can just open one door or one window and just get one or two people in who could then get two or three people in, who could then get four or five people in, like that's, that's like success to me. You know, that's, that's really success. Do you, what do you think your legacy or what are you hoping that your legacy will be? You know, I love, I love, I love when people call me Madam Prez, like that's, that's, that's the the word people like Madam Prez. And I don't know, there's something so exciting about that. It's like, here's this, you know, old legacy institution who never really had, you know, a black person, let anyone else of color in a leadership role. And here I am with the first opportunity to do so. So I think I want my legacy. Like, I feel like instead of, you know, just focusing on, okay, what are the tasks we have to do? What are are the initiatives? What are the responsibilities? It's also like bringing a level of humanity to the role and and to me and, and people who are, who are from where I'm from and who look like me. It's like, we're people, we're human and yeah. we're, we're flawed and we have ups and downs. And I, I just, yeah, it's the humanity for me. Like, I just think people sometimes just see sort of like a shell and a mechanism to facilitate mm-hmm. whatever it is they think needs to happen. But it's like, no, I'm a human being. And I, and I want to, I want to, I want people to feel that when they meet me, right. when they talk to me, when they listen to me, I want them to feel like, like, wow, like, 
I know that person. That person is my mom. That person is my sister. That person is my grandma. Like that person is my cousin. Like that person is my friend. I went to college with that person. Like I want them to feel more personable Mm -hmm. and engage with me. Looking back at the industry from when you started to where it is now, do you think? Do you think that we're on the right girl? Where you're going with this? Do you feel like we're on the right track? Do you feel like the fashion industry is moving along towards something transformative and positive? It's yes and no. So, so, so yes, in a sense that the fact that there's even been a recognition that there is inequality and mm. that there's disparity yep. is major. Yep. I think it's major, but I do think we're getting caught up in diversity as opposed to equity and inclusion. Mm. And I would like to see more work around equity specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's one thing to make me president, right? It's another when I am given the power to execute. I have the authority to do the work. And if I'm consistently, you know, meeting these barriers around the work, then in fact, you haven't made any changes. You know, I'm just a face and I'm using myself as the example, but you know, you know, just for an example's sake, but it it goes with all of these roles that have been, you know, appointed over the last three years. It goes for all of these people at different levels of the organization who are Black and other people of color. It's like, again, if we're not given the power and authority and also a safe space to do the work, then no, I don't, I don't think that there has been enough change there. I think that people mean well, right. but I think people are, are too reliant on their good intentions and not really focused on the impact, the, the effect of, of, of their choices, actions, their words, their deeds. It's like that matters because you, right. know, you, you don't intentionally mean to exclude perhaps, but your actions are exclusionary. You don't intentionally mean to offend, but your actions are offensive. And so I think if we can get more people focused on equity and really the effect as opposed to the intention, I I think we can start seeing some change. I'd also like to get people to start focusing more on what the power structure and those in the power structure need to change about themselves and their organizations and their culture and their work, as opposed to putting the onus on Black people, Black professionals, Asian professionals, Latin professionals, disabled professionals. Like, it's not on the underserved and the underrepresented, like, you know, to keep having this conversation around where is the talent? We don't have enough talent. It's like, no, that's not true. The talent is there. The talent exists. It's about how your lens views what is talented. And that needs a reprogramming because I'm just, I mean, one thing as president that I have, I have met so many talented professionals of color that I'm just shocked they don't have roles at these organizations because they're so... They're so, 
they're so capable. They're so smart. They, yeah. I mean, we sit and we have these conversations and the level of like ideation and vision and just, you know, their technical skills, like everything about them is just amazing. And then they tell me, oh, well, I apply, you know, to this place and I reply, I sent 50 resumes and I, and I got no response. And, and it's just, I'm in shock. I'm like, there is no way you didn't get a response. Like right. even, even a first round interview you should have received and they're not receiving them. So I think, you know, and it's, and it's on me too, as, as president and been challenged with, you know, bringing opportunity to really challenge companies to do better than just posting jobs online right? It's not right. just about posting a job. It's about having people in. Yep. And maybe they're not ultimately right for that role, but maybe there's another role at your organization that they be, may be right for. Maybe meeting them will be so transformative that you create a role for them that, you know, because you see a talent there. But if you're not bringing them in for even like a first and second round interview, I just don't know how you're ultimately assessing, analyzing, and selecting talent, you know? And I think that's huge. And I think, you know, you brought up a lot of key points because that was something that I read in the, you know, the state of DEI and fashion report, you know, yeah. that a Black student said, it's hard for people of color to reach for opportunities they don't even know about. And, you know, it's it's completely, for me, I was like horrified because I'm like, this is 2023 now. What like, that's my story. You know, that, that truly is my story because if I had not had someone in my network mm. who knew about the role at CFDA in 2001, yeah. I would have never gotten that opportunity. Oh, wow. I had no idea that they were looking for a, a business manager, but a person who had become part of my network reached out to me and said, I heard you were looking for a new gig. I have the perfect place for you. Wow. And lo and behold, it's this major, like, you know, fashion institution. And that's here I am. Yeah. It's become my home and, and a big part of my journey yeah. over the past 20 years. Can we talk about and yeah. impact, impact with CFDA? And for those that are listening, what is it, you know, and where did the name come from? Well, it's so interesting. Okay, CFDA Impact is really, it's a program that we started based on a letter that was issued from our then chairman, Tom Ford, and our CEO, Stephen Cole, really wanting to create opportunity for Black talent and brown talent in the industry. And they had committed to, you know, finding opportunities for people who want an opportunity, finding, you know, professional development or mentoring or, you know, just creating it a pipeline for them within the industry. So it really is a pipeline program, but I really want impact to be thought of as more than just a tool or a pipeline. I really want it to be thought of as a mindset. Like it's, it's the practice of impact, right? How do we become more equitable? What are the tools that we need to engage to be more equitable? Is that creating access and visibility to jobs? Is that mentorship and professional development? Is that apprenticeship? Is that investment? That's another thing, you know, that, that brands and professionals need. They need, they need, you know, it's all about social inclusion and economic mobility. Economic mobility is, is, is very important to our community and to communities of color. It's, it's like, you can't, 
you can't be part of the, the full spectrum of fashion without it being able to sustain you, right? So that you can you can be able to pay for your existence. You know, a lot of times they're like, oh well, you know, I, I mean, maybe like at this internship, but it's but they're not paying anything, and it's like, you know, on the one hand, I you know of a certain age, yeah, we did internships and we didn't get paid. And that is the way it was. But just because that was the way it was, that doesn't mean that's the way it should be. And so I'm really inspired by millennials and Gen Zs and all of these other generations that are just saying, no, we can't work for free. We have to be compensated for our work. And and they're changing the standard. And and I have I have the utmost respect for them for that. I wish I wish our generation, the generations before us, would have held that line, right? I know. You know, because ultimately it it keeps and kept a lot of us out of spaces that we really should have been in because right. we couldn't work for free. Exactly. <laughs> we just do it. And so I think for impact, it's really about how do we create the atmosphere and a way of thinking that is a behavioral shift versus just this performative, you know, these performative actions. Like it really has to be a full shift of the behavior and how we think about talent and how we value professionals of color. And yeah. Is there a way to measure the success of I think over time, yes. Certainly it's not overnight, but I I think, you know, having our database be almost 5,000 talents from around the country in Atlanta and Detroit. It's amazing says it's like and again that's not even the full spectrum of talent that exists Mm -hmm. right now that's the current talent we're certainly going to try to engage and bring more talent on onto the onto the platform but it's like even those five thousand talents just to be able to talk to people and reach people in these regions where you maybe they think they don't have access to fashion or or you know they don't you know the visibility or they're not getting the amplification. It's like for us to be able to bring that to them and to create that pipeline for them to the, to the more major market. It's, it's really important. And, you know, we're excited about the work that we're doing. We're excited about the work that we're planning to do. We just, you know, last year launched conversations with creatives, which is like a traveling talk series. The first nice here in New York with Naima LaFond and Ursula Stefan, and it was moderated by Dion Lee, who's this great casting director and just creative, you know, producer in person. She's wonderful. And so the goal is to really go around the country, having these conversations with professionals who have made impact in the industry, right? Through different disciplines, not just designers, but, you know, hairstylists and fashion and costume stylists. Yes. You know, footwear designers and marketing people and really just yep. to have like a conversation about their journey. Like, how did you, what is your journey? How did you get here? What did you learn? Right. What are some of the skill sets that you think are necessary to accomplish your career goals? And, and you know, what's most valuable to you in your career? So it, it's really trying to dive deeper into the careers of some of the people who we admire and, you know, create some sort of roadmap that other yeah. people can maybe follow or employ as needed. So we're excited. I mean, I love it. I, I'm excited about, 
the events that will happen this year? You know, okay. like, are there any potential cities that you're looking to do these conversations in Absolutely. this year? Yeah. We're, so, we're going to be in Atlanta, the March 20th. Black fashion. Yes, <laughs> Atlanta, March 23rd at the gathering spot. There's going nice. to be a conversation moderated by L. Lewis, who is a fabulous knitwear designer. And we're also going to New Orleans and Detroit. Ooh. And DC, and we want to extend it out even further, going into 2024. Like we want to go to Oakland. Like we want to go to these cities where we are, and yeah. really talk to us and our community about fashion and the possibilities of it in terms of a career. And also as an entrepreneur, like you, you know, you don't have to necessarily work for someone. You can create something where you bring in talent of color and give them opportunities. So there are different ways to, to hold a lever of access. And we just want to talk about what those ways are and hopefully spark some, some, some new minds into taking the journey and following the pathway into fashion. Cause I, I think we need you know, fresh, you know, it, you know, innovative, creative people, artistic people. Our business always needs that. That's how we stay yes. in the forefront. That's how we, that's how we grow. Well, yeah. So, so we want to start pulling in some, some more talent. What, you know, you spoke about equity yeah. early on and you made such a great point because I do think the focus was always, has been for past three years, especially since the incident well not incident but what happened to george floyd it was like okay diversity 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 but in terms of dei we are missing the equity and sometimes the inclusion part how is cfda ensuring that new york fashion week for example grows into a space to be equitable that's a great question i think we started out really focusing on representation and making sure that there are bountiful amounts of, you know, diverse people showing on the calendar, right? Um, and I think now we're focused on making sure that there's resource and structure around that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was a fund that was started where, you know, we helped to bring in editors from around the world to be able to attend these fashion shows to get eyes onto this talent. I think that's one way that we're doing it and it's important. We're certainly going to be extending the work in terms of perhaps an emerging fashion showcase. We also have the regional fashion organizations that we work with around the country. I just came back from Kansas City Fashion Week where we were looking at diverse talent and, and how do we connect all of this talent and create an opportunity to bring them to the, to the larger market and to the retailers that are, that are in the larger markets. So CFDA has, a, has work that it, it still has to do, but we're hoping that identifying the talent and making them visible is a start because we were tired of hearing like, you know, where's the black designer? Where's yeah. black talent? Where are the, it's like, that they're right here in front of you. And so now our, our next phase of that is like, okay, how are we getting people to invest in this talent and making sure that, you know, they, they're not just here, but they have the resources they need to thrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, you know, what characteristics do you feel is needed? And this mm -hmm. is a two-part question. Yeah. One, for your role as president and two, to be in the fashion industry. <laughs> Wow. Well, to your two-part question, there's one answer, 
right? It starts with patience. You Ooh. really, I mean, the level of patience that you have to have, you have to get calmer heads must prevail in, in, in many okay. situations. So I think having that patience for yourself, number one, that okay. you don't know everything, you can't be everything to everyone, you know, just really thinking about how do I present and provide the best parts of my talent and expertise and me as a person without losing my dignity and my temper in these moments where, you know, you can be in rooms and, and people can say things or you're on emails where people, you know, send you emails and it's like the most egregious, you know, yeah. conversation and commentary. And you're just like, is this person insane? Like, right. you know, just, you know, it's besides the patient, I think having a level of awareness as a leader is very important. And so, you know, being patient, being aware, especially having cultural awareness, because you're working with so many different people, sort of understand where they operate from, where they sit in the spectrum of society, right? For those people who are, you know, the business owner and sort of may come from money or someone who's a business owner who bootstrapped it and, and, and became successful, you know, over time, you know, the person who, you know, works within the organization who came from nothing or, you know, the person who may work in the organization who, you know, may have a trust fund. It's like, there's just so many different people that you work with that you can't, you can't be assumptive as well. Like, you just have to kind of like, I'm, I'm a more of a quiet, like laid back person. Uh, some of it is a little bit introversion, but, but some of it is just, I like to observe and, and get to know people first before I talk about people or, or engage with people. It's sort right. of like, you know, people are so quick to, you know, speak and it's like, no, you have to spend time listening. And I think yes. as, a, as a leader, you have to spend a lot of time listening before you speak, before you I take love it. It. You have to be measured. Yeah. Yeah. Listening, awareness, and patience. I mean, those are, those are the key things. I love it. We're going to shift gears a bit and go into our speed round, which are a series of questions. I do not share our guests ahead of time. So Cassandra has not seen these questions, but it's not fair. Yeah. They, they will not be some, they're not questions that will, I think that they are easy. They're easy okay. and they're fun. So okay. they're not stressful and you don't have to overthink it. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Prince or Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson. Oh, I don't know why I thought you were a Prince person. I love Prince, but Michael, like people need to give Michael Jackson his props. And there is just, he's just so cross-generational, cross-genre. Like I just, Michael is everything. And, 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 and yeah. So Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Okay. American or European brands? American? Are you kidding me? What? Ralph Warren, Calvin Klein, House of I'm Sergio Hudson, Chris Roger Rogers, Telfar. You better American. That's what it means to be CFDA's president. She will list every single winner. But but you know, even in terms of European brands, if you really yeah. look, you can see the American influence. Ooh. 
You can really make an influence. And and that's okay. We love it. I think we're 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 democratic that way. We're more open that way as a culture. We 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 definitely have impact. I love it. I love it. I love the attic impact. What is your who, I should say, is your favorite black owned designer? Like huge shoes. Oh my god, I love so many of them right now. Aaron Potts collection this season with everything. I love Omar Salam from Sukena. Like that, it's just one percent. Okay, can I just okay? I'm gonna go with Omar Sukena. Okay. What is your favorite quote to live by? And this can be your own personal quote or something that you just use as your everyday mantra. There's a quote that I keep sharing these days where your your network should be as diverse as you want your opportunities. I love it. For your favorite drink, are you an old-fashioned or a Cosmo kind of lady? I'm an old-fashioned. Okay. Yeah. Who would be your wish list or your, for the next chairwoman of CFDA? My wish list? Oh, that's a hard one. I don't think I can. I don't think I can say. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, whoever it is. Whoever it is needs to have the culture as their agenda. Okay. So I don't know, know that person's going to be Black, Asian, White, Latinx. Whenever that day comes, hopefully it's no day soon because I still have plans. But when that person gets there, they need to have the culture as their agenda. Okay. So she pleased the fifth on that question, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, let's go with an, another fun one. Queen Latifah or MC Light? We're made, these are hard because I love them both, but I'm going to go. I was more of an MC Light fan back then. You know? Okay. Okay. What is your most luxurious item? And this can be in terms of not so much cost. It could be something meaningful to you. My most luxurious item. I think it's my sofa. Yeah. It's in storage right now. Well, no, that's not true. I have this cabinet that I love from USM. Mm-hmm. And they are this great sort of like German brand and they do this great modern furniture that you can reconfigure in any way that you want. And so it's pretty pricey. And I had this sort of like tall metal glass shelf from them that was a, it was a mint, but I really, really wanted it. And I felt I earned it. And so I got it. Okay. Okay. I love it. And our last question, hopefully you don't plead the fifth on this one. But who in your contact, in your phone contact list, would be the biggest celebrity or designer? Oh, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have a ton of people in my contact list. <laughs> I plead the fed. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're all, because everyone's just so major to me. So okay. someone like you can be in my list and you're just as valuable to me as like uh-huh. having. Coded it. Yeah, I just, I just, again, I love, I love, I love everybody. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. Those are the 10 questions. Easy peasy. (laughs) We do have two questions from a couple of folks that submitted it on Instagram to us. And the first question is, if you weren't in the fashion industry, what would you be doing now? I would probably be a lawyer. I, that, I was in, that was initially what I was focused on and, and I went and studied law and political science at John Jay. Yeah. And, and yeah, that would have been a lawyer. I okay. 
Miss Perry Neeson. And our last question. So I don't know if you've heard the whole big commotion that has taken over with Law retiring and saying that his, oh I'm, man. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm clutching my pearls his, on that one. Right? Pearl, like this deep breath that you have to say when you, when I actually said it, he mentioned that his cup is empty. And mm. the question is to you, has your cup ever been empty? And do you think he will return to the industry? He will absolutely return to the industry. Oh my God, my cup has been empty many times and I pushed myself to the new challenge. Like even at CFDA, I was like, my cup is getting empty. What's what's the next challenge for me? And it's like, yeah. I want to be president of this organization. Like That's my next challenge. So I, I, I think that he'll be back and it, and it may just be in a different form. He's way too talented to retire what? from this game. I know. You know, and he inspires so many. And I really do think that he can do something that will bring the next generation forward. So, yeah, he, he'll be back. I, I don't I don't think it's the end. I know I'm a firm believer, too, as well. Cassandra, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been oh, always, always. And you're always welcome to come back as many times as you want. I think that you are such an agent for change in this industry and especially just where you like what your goals are and what you're hoping to achieve and what you have achieved with CFDA has been monumental. And so I'm looking to see the impact of your impact for years to come. And in honor of today's guest, let's take a minute to really appreciate what Cassandra said earlier today. She said your network should be as diverse as the opportunities that you want to create. Take that, lead with it. Until next time. Mm -hmm.